Chapter Two of the Trees of Pride. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Trees of Pride by G. K. Chesterton. Chapter Two, The Wager of Squire Vane. It was more than a month before the legend of the peacock trees was again discussed in the squire's circle. It fell out one evening when his eccentric taste for meals in the garden that gathered the company round the same table now lit with a lamp and laid out for dinner in a glowing spring twilight it was even the same company for in the few weeks intervening they had insensibly grown more and more into each other's lives forming a little group like a club the american aesthete was of course the most active agent his resolution to pluck out the heart of the cornish poet's mystery leading him again and again to influence his flighty host for such reunions even mr ashe the lawyer seemed to have swallowed his half-humorous prejudices and the doctor though a rather sad and silent was a companionable and considerate man painter had even read treherne's poetry aloud and he read admirably he had also read other things not aloud grubbing up everything in the neighborhood from guide-books to epitaphs that could throw a light on local antiquities and it was that evening when the lamplight in the last daylight had kindled the colors of the wine and silver on the table under the trees that he announced a new discovery say squire he remarked with one of his rare americanisms about those bogey trees of yours i don't believe you know half the tales told round here about them it seems they have a way of eating things not that i have any ethical objection to eating things he continued helping himself elegantly to green cheese but i have more or less broadly speaking an objection to eating people eating people repeated barbara vane i know a globe-trotter mustn't be fastidious replied mr painter but i repeat firmly an objection to eating people the peacock trees seem to have progressed since the happy days of innocence when they only ate peacocks if you ask the people here the fisherman who lives on that beach or the man that mows this very lawn in front of us they'll tell you tales taller than any tropical one i brought you from the barbary coast if you ask them what happened to the fisherman peters who got drunk on all hallows eve they'll tell you he lost his way in that little wood tumbled down asleep under the wicked trees and then evaporated vanished was licked up like dew by the sun if you ask them where harry hawk is the widow's little son they'll just tell you he swallowed that he was dared to climb the trees and sit there all night and did it what the trees did god knows the habits of a vegetable ogre leave one a little vague but they even add the agreeable detail that a new branch appears on the tree when somebody has petered out in the style what new nonsense is this cried vane i know there's some crazy yarn about the tree spreading fever though every educated man knows why these epidemics return occasionally and i know that they say you can tell the noise of them among other trees in a gale and i dare say you can but even cornwall isn't a lunatic asylum and a tree that dines on a passing tourist well the two tales are reconcilable enough put in the poet quietly if there were a magic that killed men when they came close it's likely to strike them with sickness when they stand far off in the old romance the dragon that devours people often blasts others with a sort of poisonous breath ash looked across at the speaker steadily not to say stonily do i understand he inquired that you swallow the swallowing trees too treherne's dark smile was still on the defensive his fencing always annoyed the other and he seemed not without malice in the matter swallowing is a metaphor he said about me if not about the trees the metaphors take us at once into dreamland 
no bad place either this garden i think gets more and more like a dream at this corner of the day and night that might lead us anywhere the yellow horn of the moon had appeared silently and if suddenly over the black horns of the seaweed seeming to announce as night something which till then had been evening a night breeze came in between the trees and raced stealthily across the turf and as they ceased speaking they heard not only the seething grass but the sea itself move and sound in all the cracks and caves round them and below them and on every side they all felt the note that had been struck the american as an art critic and the poet as a poet and the squire who believed himself boiling with an impatience purely rational did not really understand his own impatience in him more perhaps than the others more certainly than he knew himself the sea wind went to the head like wine credulity is a curious thing went on treherne in a low voice it is more negative than positive and yet it is infinite hundreds of men will avoid walking under a ladder they don't know where the door of the ladder will lead they don't really think god would throw a thunderbolt at them for such a thing they don't know what would happen that is just the point but yet they step aside as from a precipice so the poor people here may or may not believe anything they don't go into those trees at night i walk under a ladder whenever i can cried vane in quite unnecessary excitement you belong to a thirteen club said the poet you walk under a ladder on friday to dine thirteen at a table everybody spilling the salt but even you don't go into those trees at night squire vane stood up his silver hair flaming in the wind i'll stop all night in your tomfold wood and up your tomfold trees he said i'll do it for twopence or two thousand pounds if anyone will take the bet without waiting for reply he snatched up his wide white hat and settled it on with a fierce gesture and had gone off in great leonine strides across the lawn before anyone at the table could move the stillness was broken by miles the butler who dropped and broke one of the plates he carried he stood looking after his master with his long angular chin thrust out looking yellower where it caught the yellow light of the lamp below his face was less sharply in shadow but painter fancied for a moment it was convulsed by some passion passing surprise but the face was quite as usual when it turned and painter realized that a night of fancies had begun like the cross purposes of the midsummer night's dream the wood of the strange trees towards which the squire was walking lay so far forward on the headland which ultimately almost overhung the sea that it could be approached by only one path which shone clearly like a silver ribbon in the twilight the ribbon ran along the edge of the cliff where the single row of deformed trees ran beside it all the way and eventually plunged into the closer mass of trees by one natural gateway a mere gap in the wood looking dark like a lion's mouth what became of the path inside could not be seen, but it doubtless led round the hidden roots of the great central trees. The squire was already within a yard or two of this dark entry when his daughter rose from the table and took a step or two after him as if to call him back. Treherne had also risen and stood as if dazed at the effect of his idle defiance. When Barbara moved he seemed to recover himself, and stepping after her, said something which the painter did not hear. He said it casually and even distantly enough, but it clearly suggested something to her mind, for after a moment's thought she nodded and walked back, not towards the table, but apparently towards the house. Painter looked after her with a momentary curiosity, and when he turned again the squire had vanished into the hole in the wood. "'He's gone,' said Treherne, with a clang of finality in his tones, like the slamming of a door. "'Well, suppose he has,' cried the lawyer, roused at the voice. The squire can go into his own wood, I suppose. 
what the devil's all the fuss about mr paynter don't tell me you think there's any harm in that plantation of sticks no i don't said paynter throwing one leg over another and lighting a cigar but i shall stop here till he comes out very well said ash shortly i'll stop with you if only to see the end of this farce the doctor said nothing but he also kept his seat and accepted one of the american cigars if treherne had been attending to the matter he might have noticed with his sardonic and superstition a curious fact that while all three men were tacitly condemning themselves to stay out all night if necessary all by one blank omission or oblivion assumed that it was impossible to follow their host into the wood just in front of them but treherne though still in the garden had wandered away from the garden table and was pacing along the single line of trees against the dark sky they had in their regular interstices showing the sea as through a series of windows something of the look of the ghost or skeleton of a cloister and he having thrown his coat once more over his neck like a cape passed to and fro like the ghost of some not very sane monk all these men whether skeptics or mystics looked back for the rest of their lives on that night as on something unnatural they sat still or started up abruptly and paced the great garden in long detours so that it seemed that no three of them were together at a time and none knew who would be his companion yet the rambling remained within the same dim and mazy space they fell into snatches of uneasy slumber these were very brief and yet they felt as if the whole sitting strolling or occasional speaking had been parts of a single dream painter woke once and found ash sitting opposite him at a table otherwise empty his face dark in shadow and his cigar end like the red eye of a cyclops until the lawyer spoke in his steady voice painter was positively afraid of him he answered at random and nodded again when he again woke the lawyer was gone and what was opposite him was the bald pale brow of the doctor there seemed suddenly something ominous in the familiar fact that he wore spectacles and yet the vanishing ash had only vanished a few yards away for he turned at that instant and strolled back to the table with a jerk painter realized that his nightmare was but a trick of sleep or sleeplessness and spoke in his natural voice but rather loud so you've joined us again where's treherne oh still revolving i suppose like a polar bear under those trees on the cliff replied ash motioning with his cigar looking at what an older and you will forgive me for thinking a somewhat better poet called the wine dark sea it really has a sort of purple shade look at it painter looked he saw the wine dark sea and the fantastic trees that fringed it but he did not see the poet the cloister was already empty of its restless monk gone somewhere else he said with a futility far from characteristic he'll be back presently this is an interesting vigil but a vigil loses some of its intensity when you can't keep awake ah here's treherne so we're all mustered as the politician said when mr coleman came late for dinner no the doctor's off again how restless we all are the poet had drawn near his feet were falling soft on the grass and was gazing at them with a singular attentiveness it will soon be over he said what snapped ash very abruptly the night of course replied treherne in a motionless manner the darkest hour has passed didn't some other minor poet remark inquired painter flippantly of the darkest hour before the dawn what was that it was like a scream it was a scream replied the poet the scream of a peacock ash stood up his strong pale face against his red hair and said furiously what the devil do you mean 
oh perfectly natural causes as dr brown would say replied treherne didn't the squire tell us the trees had a shrill note of their own when the wind blew the wind's beating up again from the sea i shouldn't wonder if there was a storm before dawn dawn indeed came gradually with the growing noise of wind and the purple sea began to boil about the dark volcanic cliffs the first change in the sky showed itself only in the shapes of the wood and the single stems growing darker but clearer and above the gray clump against a glimpse of growing light they saw aloft the evil trinity of the trees in their long lines there seemed to painter something faintly serpentine and even spiral he could almost fancy he saw them slowly revolving as in some cyclic dance but this again was but a last delusion of dreamland for a few seconds later he was again asleep in dreams he toiled through a tangle of inconclusive tales each filled with the same stress and noise of sea and sea wind and above and outside all their voices the wailing of the trees of pride when he woke it was broad day and a bloom of early light lay on wood and garden and on fields and farms for miles away the comparative common sense that daylight brings even to the sleepless drew him alertly to his feet and showed him all his companions standing about the lawn in similar attitudes of expectancy there was no need to ask what they were expecting they were waiting to hear the nocturnal experiences comic or commonplace or whatever they might prove to be of that eccentric friend whose experiment whether from some subconscious fear or some fancy of honor they had not ventured to interrupt hour followed hour and still nothing stirred in the wood save an occasional bird the squire like most men of his type was an early riser and it was not likely that he would in this case sleep late it was much more likely in the excitement in which he had left them that he would not sleep at all yet it was clear that he must be sleeping perhaps by some reaction from a strain by the time the sun was high in heaven ash the lawyer turning to the other spoke abruptly and to the point shall we go into the wood now asked painter and almost seemed to hesitate i will go in said treherne simply then drawing up his dark head in answer to their glances he added no do not trouble yourselves it is never the believer who is afraid for the second time they saw a man mount the white curling path and disappear into the gray tangled wood but this time they did not have to wait long to see him again a few minutes later he reappeared in the woodland gateway and came slowly towards them across the grass he stopped before the doctor who stood nearest and said something it was repeated to the others and went round the ring with low cries of incredulity the others plunged into the wood and returned wildly and were seen speaking to others again who gathered from the house the wild wireless telegraphy which is the education of countryside communities spread it farther and farther before the fact itself was fully realized and before nightfall a quarter of the county knew that squire vane had vanished like a burst bubble widely as the wild story was repeated and patiently as it was pondered it was long before there was even the beginning of a sequel to it in the interval painter had politely removed himself from the house a morning or whether of questioning but only so far as the village inn for barbara vane was glad of the traveller's experience and sympathy in addition to that afforded her by the lawyer and doctor as old friends of the family even treherne was not discouraged from his occasional visits with a view to helping the hunt for the lost man the five held many councils round the old garden table at which the unhappy master of the house had dined for the last time and barbara wore her old mask of stone if it was now a more tragic mask she had shown no passion after the first morning of discovery when she had broken forth once speaking strangely enough in the view of some of her hearers 
she had come slowly out of the house to which her own or some one else's wisdom had relegated her during the night of the wager and it was clear from her face that somebody had told her the truth miles the butler stood on the steps behind her and it was probably he do not be much distressed miss vane said dr brown in a low and rather uncertain voice the search in the wood has hardly begun i am convinced we shall find something quite simple the doctor is right said ashe in his firm tones i myself the doctor is not right said the girl turning a white face on the speaker i know better the poet is right the poet is always right oh he has been here from the beginning of the world and seen wonders and terrors that are all round our path and only hiding behind a bush or a stone you and your doctoring and your science why you have only been here for a few fumbling generations and you can't conquer even your own enemies of the flesh oh forgive me doctor i know you do splendidly but the fever comes in the village and the people die and die for all that and now it's my poor father god help us all the only thing left is to believe in god for we can't help believing in devils and she left them still walking quite slowly but in such a fashion that no one could go after her the spring had already begun to ripen into summer and spread a green tent from the tree over the garden table when the american visitor sitting there with his two professional companions broke the silence by saying what had long been in his mind well he said i suppose whatever we may think it is wise to say we have all begun to think of a possible conclusion it can't be put very delicately anyhow but after all there's a very necessary business side to it what are we going to do about poor vane's affairs apart from himself i suppose you know he added in a low voice to the lawyer whether he made a will he left everything to his daughter unconditionally replied ash but nothing can be done with it there's no proof whatever that he's dead no legal proof remarked painter dryly a wrinkle of irritation had appeared in the big bald brow of dr brown and he made an impatient movement of course he's dead he said what's the sense of all this legal fuss we were watching this side of the wood weren't we a man couldn't have flown off those high cliffs over the sea he could only have fallen off what else can he be but dead i speak as a lawyer returned ash raising his eyebrows we can't presume his death or have an inquest or anything till we find the poor fellow's body or some remains that may reasonably be presumed to be his body i see observed painter quietly you speak as a lawyer but i don't think it's very hard to guess what you think as a man i own i'd rather be a man than a lawyer said the doctor rather roughly i'd no notion the law was such an ass what's the good of keeping the poor girl out of her property and the state all going to pieces well i must be off or my patients will be going to pieces too and with a curt salutation he pursued his path down to the village that man does his duty if anybody does remarked painter we must pardon his shall i say manners or manner oh i bear him no malice replied ash good humouredly but i'm glad he's gone because well because i don't want him to know how jolly right he is and he leaned back in his chair and stared up at the roof of green leaves you are sure said painter looking at the table the squire vane is dead more than that said ash still staring at the leaves i'm sure of how he died ah said the american with an intake of breath and they remained for a moment one gazing at the tree and the other at the table sure is perhaps too strong a word continued ash but my conviction will want some shaking i don't envy the counsel for the defence 
the counsel for the defense repeated painter and looked up quickly at his companion he was struck again by the man's napoleonic chin and jaw as he had been when they first talked of the legend of st securis then he began you don't think the trees the trees be damned snorted the lawyer the trees had two lags on that evening what our friend the poet he added with a sneer would call a walking tree apropos of our friend the poet you seemed surprised that night to find he was not walking poetically by the sea all the time and i fear i affected to your share of ignorance i was not so sure then as i am now sure of what demanded the other to begin with said ash i'm sure our friend the poet followed vane into the wood that night for i saw him coming out again painter leaned forward suddenly pale with excitement and struck the wooden table so that it rattled mr ash you're wrong he cried you're a wonderful man and you're wrong you've probably got tons of true convincing evidence and you're wrong i know this poet i know him as a poet and that's just what you don't i know you think he gave you crooked answers and you seem to be all smiles and black looks at once but you don't understand the type i know now why you don't understand the irish sometimes you think it's soft and sometimes sly and sometimes murderous and sometimes uncivilized and all the time it's only civilized quivering with the sensitive irony of understanding all that you don't understand well said ash shortly we'll see who's right we will cried cyprian and rose suddenly from the table all the drooping esthete had dropped from him his yankee accent rose high like a horn of defiance and there was nothing about him but the new world i guess i will look into this myself he said stretching his long limbs like an athlete i search that little wood of yours to-morrow it's a bit late or i'd do it now the wood has been searched said the lawyer rising also yes drawled the american it's been searched by servants policemen local policemen and quite a lot of people and do you know i have a notion that nobody round here is likely to have searched it at all and what are you going to do with it asked ash what i bet they haven't done replied cyprian i'm going to climb a tree and with the quaint air of renewed cheerfulness he took himself away at a rapid walk to his inn he appeared at daybreak next morning outside the vain arms with all the air of one setting out on his travels in distant lands he had a field-glass slung over his shoulder and a very large sheath-knife buckled by a belt round his waist and carried with the bravado of the bowie-knife of a cowboy but in spite of this backwoodsman's simplicity or perhaps rather because of it he eyed with rising relish the picturesque plan and skyline of the antiquated village and especially the wooden square of the old inn sign that hung over his head a shield of which the charges seemed to him a mere medley of blue dolphins gold crosses and scarlet birds the colors and cubic corners of that painted board pleased him like a play or a puppet show he stood staring and straddling for some moments on the cobbles of the little market-place then he gave a short laugh and began to mount the steep streets towards the high park and garden beyond from the high lawn above the tree and table he could see on one side the land stretch away past the house into a great rolling plain which under the clear edges of the dawn seemed dotted with picturesque details the woods here and there on the plain looked like green hedgehogs as grotesque as the incongruous beasts found unaccountably walking in the blank spaces of medieval maps the land cut up into colored fields recalled the heraldry of the signboard this also was at once ancient and gay on the other side the ground to seaward swept down and then up again to the famous or infamous wood the square of strange trees lay silently tilted on the slope 
also suggesting, if not a map, or at least a bird's-eye view. Only the triple centerpiece of the peacock trees rose clear of the skyline, and these stood up in tranquil sunlight as things almost classical, a triangular temple of the woods. They seemed pagan in a newer and more placid sense, and he felt a newer and more boyish curiosity and courage for the consulting of the oracle. In all his wanderings he had never walked so lightly, for the connoisseur of sensations had found something to do at last. He was fighting for a friend. He was brought to a standstill once, however, and that at the very gateway of the Garden of the Trees of Knowledge. Just outside the black entry of the wood, now curtained with greener and larger leafage, he came on a solitary figure. It was Martin, the woodcutter, waiting in the bracken and looking about him in rather a lost fashion. The man seemed to be talking to himself. I dropped it here, he was saying, but I'll never work with it again, I reckon. Doctor wouldn't let me pick it up, when I wanted to pick it up. And now they've got it, like they've got the squire. Wood and iron, wood and iron, but eating it's nothing to them. Come, said Painter kindly, remembering the man's domestic trouble. Miss Vane will see you have anything you want, I know. And look here, don't brood on all those stories about the squire. Is there the slightest trace of the trees having anything to do with it? Is there even this extra branch the idiots talk about? There had been growing on Painter the suspicion that the man before him was not perfectly sane, yet he was much more startled by the sudden and cold sanity that looked for an instant out of the woodsman's eyes, as he answered in his ordinary manner. Well, sir, did you count the branches before? Then he seemed to relapse, and Painter left him wandering and wavering in the undergrowth, and entered the wood like one across whose sunny path a shadow has fallen for an instant. Diving under the wood, he was soon threading a leafy path, which, even under that summer sun, shone lonely with an emerald twilight, as if it were on the floor of the sea. It wound about more shakily than he had supposed, as if resolved to approach the central trees as if they were the heart of the maze at Hampton Court. They were the heart of the maze for him, anyhow. He sought them as straight as a crooked road would carry him, and turning a final corner, he beheld for the first time the foundations of those towers of vegetation he had as yet only seen from above, as they stood waist-high in the woodland. He found the suspicion correct which supposed the tree branched from one great root, like a candelabrum. The fork, though stained and slimy with green fungoids, was quite near the ground, and offered a first foothold. He put his foot in it, and without a flash of hesitation went aloft, like Jack climbing the beanstalk. Above him the green roof of leaves and boughs seemed to seal like a firmament of foliage. But by bending and breaking the branches to right and left, he slowly forced the passage upward, and had at last, and suddenly, the sensation coming out on the top of the world. He felt as if he had never been in the open air before. Sea and land lay in a circle below and about him as he sat astride a branch of the tall tree. He was almost surprised to see the sun still comparatively low in the sky, as if he were looking over a land of eternal sunrise. "'Silent upon a peak in Darien,' he remarked in a needlessly loud and cheerful voice, and though the claim thus expressed was illogical, it was not inappropriate. He did feel as if he were a primitive adventurer just come to the new world, instead of a modern traveller just come from it. "'I wonder,' he proceeded, "'whether I am really the first that ever bursts into this silent tree. It looks like it. Those—' He stopped and sat on his branch quite motionless, but his eyes were turned on a branch a little below it, and they were brilliant with vigilance, like those of a man watching a snake. 
what he was looking at might at first sight have been a large white fungus spreading on the smooth and monstrous trunk but it was not leaning down dangerously from his perch he detached it from the twig on which it had caught and then sat holding it in his hand and gazing at it it was squire vane's white panama hat but there was no squire vane under it painter felt a nameless relief in the very fact that there was not there in the clear sunlight and sea air for an instant all the tropical terrors of his own idle tale surrounded and suffocated him it seemed indeed some demon tree of the swamps a vegetable serpent that fed on men even the hideous farce in the fancy of digesting a whole man with the exception of his hat seemed only to simplify the nightmare and he found himself gazing dully at one leaf of the tree which happened to be turned towards him so that the odd markings which had partly made the legend really looked a little like the eye in a peacock's feather it was as if the sleeping tree had opened one eye upon him with a sharp effort he steadied himself in mind and posture on the bough his reason returned and he began to descend with the hat in his teeth when he was back in the underworld of the wood he studied the hat again and with closer attention in one place in the crown there was a hole or rent which certainly had not been there when it had last lain on the table under the garden tree he sat down lit a cigarette and reflected for a long time a wood even a small wood is not an easy thing to search minutely but he provided himself with some practical tests in the matter in one sense the very density of the thicket was a help he could at least see where anyone had strayed from the path by broken and trampled growths of every kind after many hours industry he had made a sort of new map of the place and had decided beyond doubt that some person or persons had so strayed for some purpose in several defined directions there was a way burst through the bushes making a short cut across the loop of the wandering path there was another forking out from it as an alternative way into the central space but there was one especially which was unique and which seemed to him the more he studied it to point to some essential of the mystery one of these beaten and broken tracks went from the space under the peacock trees outward into the wood for about twenty yards and then stopped beyond that point not a twig was broken nor a leaf disturbed it had no exit but he could not believe that it had no goal after some reflection he knelt down and began to cut away grass and clay with his knife and was surprised at the ease with which they detached themselves in a few moments a whole section of the soil lifted like a lid it was a round lid and presented a quaint appearance like a flat cap with green feathers for though the disc itself was made of wood there was a layer of earth on it with the live grass still growing there and the removal of the round lid revealed a round hole black as night and seemingly bottomless painter understood it instantly it was rather near the sea for a well to be sunk but the traveller had known well sunk even nearer he rose to his feet with the great knife in his hand a frown on his face and his doubts resolved he no longer shrank from naming what he knew this was not the first corpse that had been thrown down a well here without stone or epitaph was the grave of squire vane in a flash all the mythological follies about saints and peacocks were forgotten he was knocked on the head as with a stone club by the human common sense of crime cyprian painter stood long by the well in the wood walked round it in meditation examined its rim and the ring of the grass about it searched the surrounding soil thoroughly came back and stood beside the well once more 
his research and reflections had been so long that he had not realized that the day had passed and that the wood and the world round it were beginning already to be steeped in the enrichment of evening the day had been radiantly calm the sea seemed to be as still as the well and the well was as still as a mirror and then quite without warning the mirror moved of itself like a living thing in the well in the wood the water leapt and gurgled with a grotesque noise like something swallowing and then settled again with a second sound cyprian could not see into the well clearly for the opening from where he stood was an ellipse a mere slit and half masked by thistles and rank grass like a green beard for where he stood now was three yards away from the well and he had not yet himself realized that he had sprung back all that distance from the brink when the water spoke End of chapter two recording by maria therese